اعوذ باللہ من الشیطان الرجیم بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم السلام علیکم ورحمت اللہ وبرکاتہ Welcome to the weekly Iman Booster series on Islamic character in turbulent times by Ikna Sisters. You know, there's this saying, may you live in interesting times. And some suggest that it's actually a curse and not a we wish you well kind of thing. Because in essence, it's suggesting that you live in changing times that are tumultuous. And change can be rough, right? We live in this age of continuous, constant change, facing many trials throughout our lives. As we face different trials, we turn to the Quran and Sunnah for guidance on how to deal with them. Because even though times change, faith remains constant and provides guidance for us to navigate the rough waters. So today, we will be talking about the trial of wealth from the Islamic perspective and how we can develop our character as we go through or avoid such trials. Now, the Quran and Islamic traditions has many stories that teach us various morals. But today, we'll focus on the story of the two gardens mentioned in Surah Kahf. If you're not familiar with the story, please read up on Surah Kahf and get yourself acquainted with the incident. But the gist of the parable is that a man is blessed with abundance and wealth and he has these two beautiful gardens that are very productive and he falls into arrogance and becomes forgetful of the akhirah, the life to come. He belittles people around him and sees the abundance and ease as a sign of acceptance from God. He really doesn't believe that any of it will ever end and asserts that if by chance any of this does come to an end, he'll have even bigger and better things waiting for him on the other side. Because if he's favored by Allah in this world, why wouldn't he be favored in the next, right? That's his thought process. And it just so happens that he ends up losing all his wealth. But we see that he has a righteous companion and his companion reminds him to turn to God and seek forgiveness, which he does. Now you may think, well, I don't have two gardens and I am most certainly not denying the hereafter. So I'm just going to tune out to whatever the sister has to say next. But hold up, let's see how this story is still relevant to us today. Let's at first establish what wealth really means. Wealth is defined as plentiful supplies of a particular resource. We are living in times of overwhelming abundance. And we don't have to be rich to be materialistic. You know, there are studies after studies citing evidence that materialism is destroying our societies. We are meant to live in this world and not for this world. But when we let the world enter into our hearts, we start falling into materialism. We have already established in earlier sessions that times of difficulty and of ease all are trials for us. So being wealthy and being poor, both are trials, in poverty and in richness, we have to practice patience and gratitude. But if given a choice, most of us would opt for what? The ease of richness. I mean, give me an easy life where I have financial stability and why wouldn't I be grateful, right? Because we think that being grateful is easier than being patient. But so many people fail the test of affluence. 
they let the world enter into their hearts. And as the love of the world enters the heart, love of Allah starts leaving it. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect our hearts. Ameen. And one manifestation of this love of the world creeping into our hearts is ingratitude. Ingratitude is such a danger and we don't even realize it. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in Surah Ibrahim, if you express gratitude, I'll certainly give you more. But if you deny, then indeed my punishment is severe. But deny what? Deny all the blessings that are showered upon us while we are lamenting the loss of something that we perceived as a blessing. In other words, being ungrateful when we have so much to be thankful for. And ingratitude leads to what? Severe punishment. But why? Why is ungratefulness such a poison? Because it corrupts our soul. We start becoming arrogant. We think whatever resource or ease is coming our way, it is coming to us due to some inherent goodness or some qualities that we possess. And if it stops, we start questioning the fairness of God, subhanAllah, His justice, His wisdom. We become greedy for more and selfish too. We stop sharing and giving because we worry that we may lose the comforts. Studies done by UCLA, UC Berkeley and Harvard show that people with more wealth show less empathy. They are more likely to cheat and feel like they need more wealth in order to be happy. But what's even more eye-opening is that poor people showed willingness to engage in all these activities as well if it meant that they would get the wealth benefits out of it. So all in all, with money or without, people with materialistic tendencies stooped to a low. And what is materialism? By definition, it is a tendency to consider material possessions and physical comforts as more important than spiritual values. By philosophy, it is the doctrine that nothing exists except matter and its movements and modifications. Now we can safely say that we don't believe in the philosophy of materialism, right? We know there's more to life than just the physical aspects of it. There's the soul, our ruh, and tons of other unseen stuff. However, what about the part with material possessions and physical comforts being more important than spiritual values? Are we attached to our comforts to the level that it gives us anxiety to part from them? Do we view abundance as a blessing and poverty as a test? When in essence, both are tests. Coming back to the story of the two gardens, when he lost his wealth, one may think that this was his misfortune, right? He had all these things going for him and then he lost it all. But if you look closely, the wealth was a trial and the loss ended up being a blessing for him. He ended up seeing the error in his ways and repented. And what can be a bigger blessing than that? So when misfortune strikes us of any form or magnitude, let's take a moment and assess the situation. Is losing your job really a misfortune? When your new job allows you to spend more time with family and offer all your prayers in peace, you're still eating, and have food in your refrigerator? Is having to go school, go to school online or work online because yet another COVID variant is running rampant in your community really a misfortune when you're blessed to join online? 
it's protecting you from work gossip, from polluting the environment by driving and whatnot, and from so many other social ills. And look for the blessings that come in disguise. In the story of the two gardens, this guy is blessed with something far more precious than gold and gardens and rest of the riches. He has righteous company. But so many times we get focused on his material wealth and totally discount his companion who's giving him all this golden advice. This parable is the parable of two men, right? And we can learn a lot from the companion's response and his reactions to him. It teaches us not just how to act, but also what not to do. He remained content. He did not become envious of his friend's wealth. He did not live beyond his means, trying to keep up with his friend. These practices can bring so much peace into our lives. You know, in the studies that were mentioned earlier, one thing that the researchers noticed was that the rich always wanted to be richer. They thought only if they had more, they would be happy. They would be content finally. Why? Because they hadn't learned to be content with what they had. They saw others who had more than them and seemed happier than them. So they felt that only if they had a bit more, they would get there too. When in truth, you will always find people doing better than you, having more than you. But our struggle is within ourselves. We are responsible for our own happiness, our own peace. When we learn to be content with what we have, we truly become wealthy. And you know, this parable teaches us the importance of righteous company. It is a tremendous blessing to have companions who remind us of our purpose and help us stay on the right path. It is also a responsibility upon us to be such companions. And Alhamdulillah, many of us are part of this amazing sisterhood where we benefit from the company of righteous companions and get a chance to be such a companion. But it's not automatic, right? Looking at the lessons learned from this parable of the two men, we learned the importance of reminders and paying attention to the reminders. He was reminded by his friend to turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and he heeded the advice. We also learned the importance of self-assessment. When his friend implored him to turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he assessed his condition and realized that he was in error. This teaches us not to turn our friends away when they are trying to talk some sense into us. It teaches us to give advice with wisdom and to receive advice open-heartedly as well. And most importantly, it teaches us the correct perspective to adopt when faced with abundance, affluence, or materialism. What a beautiful dua the companion teaches us. He said to his friend to say, MashaAllah la quwwata illa billah. This means when faced with abundance and affluence, or seeing others enjoying abundance and feeling the pangs of materialism, remember the principle that everything happens with the will of Allah, and there is no power except with Allah. This reminds us all that anything that anyone in this world has comes from Allah and Allah alone. It should also snap us out of our arrogance, envy, jealousy when we internalize that these feelings have no power over us because we are the slaves of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Whatever we get, we get from Him and it's for our best. And whatever we lose, we lose with His permission and it's for our best.
This reminder should bring tranquility in our hearts. And just like the man with the two gardens turned to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and realized that true wealth is connecting with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and repenting for his errors. We too should turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and use our perceived ill fortunes to turn our situations around and make them a means to get closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So let's end our session today with the affirmation, La hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. There is neither might nor power except with Allah. Jazakallah khair, dear sisters. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu.